Rhythms of Grace, and I lucked out on Connection, right? Which is which is uh, um, a little bit difficult because, uh, in some ways, it's my passion, um, and so I really had to say, God, please, you know, I want this to be my passion as I share it with. My, my, my community and I don't want it to be something that I know in my head but in my heart and my prayer is that you'll receive it as well um, because you know we we even changed our ni- our name of the church didn't we to Live Connection Church um, and the, we did that because we said that uh, we want to have a live connection to God a live connection to each other a live connection to our neighbours and our friends and a, a live connection to our world and that every single one of these are so, so important. And, uh, you know, it does, it even ties back, um, back to 17 years ago when we first started this church. And um, we were a bunch of about a dozen people who got together and looked at some form of expression of community that we wanted to be to the, the world that we lived in. And we thought, what? What are the values? What are the things that we want to hold true to if we start a church that would be a church that even Jesus would want to attend? Which is quite remarkable, isn't it? Because many of the churches around um, uh, in his day, I'm not sure he really wanted to attend. Um, he seemed to be in a lot of conflict with those churches. So um, he, uh, we, we, we got there and we wrestled over a, 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 a period of time and uh, we came up with four pillars, five pillars actually, four, there's four pillars, but this is, there's one pillar in the middle just, you know, to hold the building up in the middle. So we got five pillars and, and you know what, I mean, I've, I've preached these pillars over and over and over again, but you know what, I want to, uh, I, I want to preach them one more time. And the reason I want to is because, um, uh, because they're the DNA of this church that even brought you to this church. And I believe that that's the DNA that's going to bring others to this church as well. And they were founded on these things. Uh, that, uh, and, and I pray, my heart is that if we would allow God to work in us in these areas, it'll draw many people to him. And... Number one, it's being a servant for the Lord. Number two, it's to be tra- allow God to transform us into the likeness of Christ. Number three, it's to empower us into who God has made us, created us to be. Number four is that we will allow his passion to live in us and it would intensify the mission heart of, of God. And number five, which um, seems to be a ring right around the pillars, it's to say that you know, in all these things, we actually want to glorify God. It's his church, not ours. His ministry, not ours. And, uh, and so let me, let me preach my heart to you in these areas in this short period of time, because I believe this is what's going to win our community to the Lord, being a servant. Jesus lived a servant's life. And we all know that, that verse from Mark 10, 45. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give 
his life a ransom for many. That scripture from Philippians um, just emphasised that beautifully. That Jesus, that the Son of God, who came from heaven to earth, actually lived his life to serve you and me, and he wants us to do the same. And that's staggering when you think about it, isn't it? When you really get your mind around it. Like Jesus himself, our God, the God who created us, who made us, he, he, he served us as an example for us to serve others. That's staggering, isn't it, really, when you just get your mind around it. Can we ever think that we can live our life in a different way? If, if, if God lived his life as a servant, is there any possible way, as mere human beings, we can actually do it where we are the pastor? I see so much, especially in, 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 in sadly, in, 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 in Australia and in African cultures, you know, because there's this sort of chief mentality, but we have that chief mentality too. You know, where we are the pastor or, you know, we deserve, we are our little God. No, it's that switching on in our spirit always that, you know, we are servants. And, and, uh, and, and I love that second part of that verse is, and, and to give his life a ransom for many. And I believe that as servants, the role that we have above any other role is that we would serve people. And even to the point of giving our life for them. And that's the part we often forget, isn't it? But if we were to actually serve people to the point that we really cared, now I'm not saying we give our life for them, but it might mean you might give a little bit of something to them. You know, like it might cost you something. It cost Jesus his life. And, and he says he, he, that's what it, that was his mission statement is in some way. So if it cost him his life and he's modelling this to us, surely if you really want to save your, you'll actually allow it to cost you something. And I think that's what God is calling us to do. And, and it, it's, it's never been shown better than in John 13, verse 12 to 15. After washing their feet, He put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I'm doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and yet you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you this as an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Wow. That, 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 again, this is... This is after, um, you know, the, the, this beautiful meal that Jesus wants. And I'm sure I'm not, he, he may, this is, was all planned, I suppose. It was predestined by God, maybe. But, but think about it. He's, he's about to be crucified the following day. He desires one thing, and that's a beautiful meal with his disciples. <laughs> that's what he wanted. That's what he desired. That's, he, he was so looking forward to it. He even got a donkey involved in it. And, and you know, he, 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 he chose the room and it was a special time. And, and he hears the disciples just gossiping about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. Who's going to be the greatest? I've called you to be a servant. So here he is, the, 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 the 
king of the universe, he, he gets down, he gets on his knees, and he starts washing every single person's foot. Dusty, dirty foot. And, and he's saying, hey, this is actually what it means to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. This is what it means to serve people. 1 Peter 4.11 again says, is, if anyone serves, they should do it with the strength of God, do, do, do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. That's, that's our goal. I don't think any of us are going to argue from the scriptures we've read, are we? So then it's actually now actually coming to the point when we adapt it into our very being and into our very life. How do we do that? Well, I'm going to give two quick examples because, um, because I can. I've just read a book from, from Michael Frost and, and I, he had a couple of examples in there and I thought, you know what, they're, they're just worth sharing. Um, so I sort of you know, madly read this book uh, in preparation to get some sort of material here. And one of them, as we all know, is Acts of Kindness. And he said it's, it's to add the strength to another man's arm. So we can do Acts of Kindness. We can add strength to another man's arm. You know, if you really need strength, you've got to ask James over there. He's, uh, he's got a strong arm. But um, um, mine sort of popped a little bit moving someone's house, unfortunately. Anyway, that's another story. We won't talk about that. Um, you know, the, the scripture that goes with that is Matthew 5, verse 16. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Wow. Yeah. I, I, think, uh, I think anything that relieves people's burdens in life is positive, isn't it? A good way to serve. Anything that helps them breathe more easily Anything that lifts their spirits or alleviates their distress. Acts of kindness. And we should look for them. Look, look at, at what somebody would possibly need and, and do it for them. Not just in the church. You know, I appreciate, you know, that we can, we can, we can pray for each other in the church. But that wasn't Jesus' only focus. Actually, he's, he, he, he had a church without walls. And he was always looking out. Again, you know my heart. Church is six days and, and 22 hours. I say 22 because I want you to stick around a little bit longer for a cup of coffee. But, but, and, and, and this is a dress rehearsal. Very important. Incredibly important what we do here right now. But in God's eyes, church was a church without walls. And he wants us to get out into the community and serve people with our whole hearts. Another point that Mikey Frost said is living hospitable lives. We know that. Um, you know, we've heard of, you know, again, the Mark 10.45, the Son of Man didn't come to serve, see served. We know the, 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 um, the other from Luke 19, verse 10 quite well. The Son of Man comes to seek and save the lost. But can we remember Luke 7.34? The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. That's not bad, is it? 
And he was a friend of the tax collectors and sinners. People in the world that, that he made and he loves incredibly. And he wants in his, in his he wants them, they're children of God. They're just not sons and daughters of God yet. And he wants them to know that they can be sons and daughters of the Most High God. So he's calling us to be people that eat and drink. Wow. Well, eating and drinking is profoundly theological from a biblical perspective. It's the way to walk in Jesus' footsteps. Jesus often did communion first, taco night, yeah, and conversion second. It sort of breaks down the walls and barriers, and that's the beautiful thing about the pantry. I, you know, we have been for two years been giving boxes of food to people, and it's just broken down these hard barriers. And I know that some of these people, they've got mothers that have been praying for them, but they've been wounded and hurt. But our generosity, the acts of kindness, the, 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 the eating with them and, 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 and just doing life with them is just breaking down the barriers. And it's not up to me to convert anybody, but it's up to me to, be, to, to, to actually show the heart and the love of Jesus Christ in their lives. And so that is what God is calling us to do. We need to see it. Uh, see it uh, so we also see it in uh, Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Remember we climbed up in the sycamore tree? Remember that story? And he is a short man, so he could see Jesus. And Jesus came up to him and, and said, uh, hey, uh, Zacchaeus, I, I want to come to your house. My house? Yep. And he went, hit, he went there for a meal. And everybody again said, oh, then that's, that's where that scripture comes in. Oh, you know, you, 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 why is it that your teacher eats with the gluttons and the sinners and the tax collectors? Well, this, this is what brought about conversion for Zacchaeus. And, and what uh, Mikey Frost said is that we've got 21 planned meals a week. We do, hey? 21 planned meals. But we also have smokos for us builders, don't we? You know, you have a morning and an afternoon smoko. Um, for others that are, are less educated, they call them morning tea and afternoon tea. <laughs> and uh, um, and uh, we don't judge them, do we, Brody? We don't, uh, we don't judge them. It's funny, I've grown up just, you know, the pecking order of being builders, you know, white-collar workers. Um, but we've got 21 meals a week. And, and the idea is that Mike had, and I think we could adopt, is to see three of them. This is minus your smokers, right, where you might go out just for a coffee and a donut or something with somebody, donut, um, where you would actually invite somebody that is... Um, uh, that is from outside, there's people that you connect with, invite them in for a meal. But, you know, from, and, and some of them is from outside this church. Those friends, you know, I love Bill Hybels' thing, pray for one person once a day for one minute. Now, you might have more people you can pray for. But then invite them for a meal. Get them in and just share your, your, your share, ask them about their life. Be interested in them and, and share your life. You, you don't, have to preach at them you just share your testimony and allow God and the spirit to bring up just what he would have in that circumstances and I believe if we did that every Christian household did that and we regularly invited a stranger or a person into our home just for a meal even once a week we would literally 
change the world by eating. We would. And how important is that? And how, how necessary? How much is it a part of our lives? You know, and that is what God is calling us to do. Secondly, transformation. Transform. Jesus lived a transformed life and he calls us to do that too. The kingdom of God is a vision of the magnificence where we are transformed to lead a life as Jesus would lead it if he was your I. Could you imagine that? If, if Paul, if Martin, if Lloyd lived a life the same way as Jesus would live it if he was Lloyd. So it's not that God is asking us to be separate or different people. He wants us to be who we are. But he wants us to live it totally surrendered to his spirit with our personality, with our character, with our funny little habits and ways. Amen. But he wants us to be us, no one else. And yet we live that as if he was us. And that's the challenge, I suppose. And that's what the journey of transformation is all about, isn't it? It's a beautiful journey. Um, and, um, and God is calling us to that journey. If there was another way that we could live or that we would be a witness to the world, God would have told us. But this is it. But here's our dilemma. When we're born again, our character isn't changed instantly, is it? It's, it's uh, you know, for some they might be lucky. I've heard of some people that, oh, wow, they stopped smoking. Well, that's great. In other sense, it's not a, it, it's great. Yes, it is good. But what about, you know, what's happening? How, how do people perceive their spirit when they come into another person's presence? Because some of us, um, we, we can love ourselves, or we can be greedy or selfish or we could be envious or whatever. And the transformation journey is about surrendering that stuff to God and allowing him to change us into the likeness of his son. So in some ways, conversion is not the end but the beginning. I love 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your way. But what God is calling us to do is to crave that spiritual milk, crave the word of God that we might become everything that he's made us to be. And that's again in Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to divide soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And so that transformational journey has got a lot to do with the word of God and the revelation of God and the spirit of God who speaks to us through that word. And as, as we surrender ourselves to it, we become more and more like like uh, like Jesus, like you know the the old saying, I think it's in First Peter, the goldsmith. You know, there's a lot of imperfections on the gold, but as the goldsmith just takes off and skims off just the the, the impurities that come to the top, eventually the, the 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 goldsmith man can see his own face reflection in the gold, and that's the transformational journey. As we just go through and just take off the imperfections, eventually the community out there see Jesus in us. It's a beautiful picture of Christ to the world and, and that is what he's calling us to do and to be on that journey. 
the desperate need today for people to mirror Jesus. God is calling disciples to be known as people who have Christ in them. Christ in them. That's where the word Christian came. Christ in. Christ in. People see Christ in you. So they coined the name Christian because they act like Jesus. So this, you know, before that they were called the followers of the way. But they coined Christ in them because they seem like Christ was in them. And that's exactly the journey that we're on at the moment. We must resist being an entertainment church and embrace being a discipleship church. You know, the, uh, again, my, just finishing on that last one, my, my passion, my absolute passion is in 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter uh, well, it starts in chapter 2, where, where we are the fragrance of the gospel, you know, where people smell the sweet presence of God on us, where we, we carry a spirit of freedom in us, um, in chapter 3, verse 17, where, where we are the letter from Christ, where people actually where we walk around. It's like we don't have to say much because our life speaks volumes to those that are around us. We are ambassadors for God, chapter 5, verse 20. Um, and, and it's though God were making his appeal through us. It's incredible, isn't it? To, to, to be so transformed where God is, is working through us and drawing people to us without us even trying. One of the, the next pillars was to empower. A very passion, passionate about this. This one where Jesus empowers lives. Jeremiah 1 verse 5, before you were formed in your womb, in, in the womb I knew you. Before you were born I set you apart. And I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. And God would say the same about you. He shows no partiality. So when he looks at you, he would say, you know, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I actually appointed you for a particular task in this life. I show no partiality. And that's for every single one of us. And, and that is God's heart. I know the plans, 29.11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And there's a plan, there's a destiny for every person's life to become who God has made them to be. Again, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10 to 12, which says, um, if we move on to maybe 11... So Christ himself gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. For what? To equip his body for the work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Do you know, the fivefold ministry is incredibly important, but it's, it's, it's job description. It's only job description is to equip the saints, you, for the work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So it's empowering you. That's our role. It's getting rid of the religion and, and the things that would try to come away and steal just you being who God has made you to be. And so that's the job description of the pastors, the fivefold ministry. Ephesians 4.16 says, Under his direction, this is the New Living Translation, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing full of love. 
Isn't it beautiful? It's beautiful if, if, you know, if Ian Cook can be Ian Cook. If Duncan can be Duncan. If Richard can be Richard. Yeah, it's, it's good if we can be who we are and not be somebody else. Eh? And God is calling us to, to be who he's made us to be, but not to be anybody else. The Acts of the Apostles um, was written because the Acts the Apostles acted, though. We have to act. You know, we need to be who we are. There's no point having a, a car that sort of sits in the garage and is never used. Why have it? You know, we, God has made us for a purpose. He's got a plan for our lives. And, and, uh, and this beautiful picture of the church brings us to a fuller expression of himself. People become uh, our lifelong friends, buddies, brothers, sisters, workers, burden bearers. Why? Because we're like a body where every part comes together and works together beautifully. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve the other as faithful stewards of God's grace in its very forms. Yeah, there's um, Wayne Cordero actually wrote um, that graveyards are the richest place in, in, in the world. And, and uh, you know, some of you have heard that before. But why? Well, because people are going and dying and they've got all this treasure inside them, all these hidden gifts that they never, ever, ever brought to reality. And he says, hey, guys, you know, don't die with all your gifts and your talents just stored there. Use them. Be who I've made you to be. Because people are reaching, are finishing their lives without reaching their God-given potential. You know, I think all churches should have a philosophy that, that anybody who comes into our church right, has been brought into the church by God. It's his church, not ours. Not, not our church. We're stewards of it, but it's not our church. It's God's church. It doesn't matter if that person comes into the church and they've got Down syndrome. It doesn't matter if they've got any sort of disabilities whatsoever. They are valued and precious in God's eyes and God's sight, and they have a part to play, even if it's to just help shape your patience. You know? Uh, it, that's, that's God's church. And that's the philosophy we need to embrace. We need to realise that you have a value to this body, the church. Intensify. Jesus intensified his father's mission. What are the circumstances in which God is calling you to be connected into? Well, obviously your neighbours, your workplace, your shops, your hobbies, your ministry. John 15 verse 9 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed appointed you so that you might bear fruit, go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So Jesus is calling us to live a life of bearing fruit, to bring many sons and daughters into the kingdom. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, that's, 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 his, that's his desire, that you and I would bear fruit. You know, it's, it's, it is disappointing. I don't know if you guys have had a like a fruit tree that doesn't bear fruit. I, I, you know, I'm a bit, I'm a bit uh, can I say the word bummed? I suppose it's okay, it's not a bad word, but uh, I, I had a, a strong breeze came through on our mango tree. Now, last year we got about 25 mangoes off it, had a whole new year. It's only five years old. I thought, this year's going to be a great one. But the wind came through, blew all the flowers off, so I've got no mangoes. 
But the point is, God actually is happy when we do bear fruit, isn't it? That a mango bears mangoes. And if you're a Christian, he wants you to be a light to the people that are around you. And the fifth pillar, the last one, is glorify. It's interesting that we are called to glorify God. Jesus himself, the Son of God, says, I have not come on my own. God sent me in John 8.42. It's not our church. We've said this before. It's not our church ministry. It's not our... It's actually not... My house is not my house. My home is not my home. Um, my money is not my money. My car is not my car. And as, as, as many of you know, my, my trailer is not my trailer. Anytime Lloyd rings me up and says, can I borrow your trailer? Actually, can I borrow your car? No, what do I say? It's not mine. It's actually not mine. Nothing that I own as a Christian is actually mine. I'm a steward of it and I'm responsible for it. I'm accountable for it. But it's actually not mine. And so whatever we have in our hands, we've got a responsibility to steward that would actually reflect the very heart of God. And that's where we got that beautiful passage from Philippians, where, where we, we even see God himself, that he did, he, he said in verse 6, who being in the very nature of it, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. But taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. Yeah, if God himself humbled himself, if God himself did that to glorify God, so should we. Before Jesus left his place with his father and came to earth, he made a choice to glorify his father. He said in John 3 14 to 17 just as Moses lifted up a snake in the wilderness so the son of man must be lifted up he's talking about himself here right it's pretty freaky hey you know you imagine at 33 who's over 33 put your hands up if you're over 33 yeah come on Richard I know you serious I know you are you can't trick me brother hey sure um you know, well, he, he went into his life making a decision that he's going to give his life up for you, for me. And if, if go on from there, mate, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. So what about us? When we go out, right, when we go out into the world, we, we've got to go with that sense of, giving our life for him so that everybody may actually experience eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So Jesus himself lived a life to glorify the Father. John 12, 27. Now my soul is troubled and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it is for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. That was God's heart, that even through troubles, even through suffering, even through death, I want to glorify the Father. It it was his heart. 
And so the job got done. The debt was paid for God's glory. And so in John 17, 4, he says, I've brought you, Father, glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And so we also have that opportunity, don't we? We have that opportunity to bring glory to the Father through our work. But it's not it, it's, it's, it's all for him. It's all for his glory. So as Jesus follows, it's not going to be any different for us than it was for Jesus. Jesus sacrificed his life as an example for us that we now have the opportunity to choose across death to live across life and bring glory to God. So we've got those pillars that we started this church on and, and you may not even know how important they are to you but they drew you here and they were for you and I to be a servant to the world to be transformed into the very uh, image or character of God um, to be empowering not only uh, ourselves but those people that don't even know God we empower them by our love and by our thoughtfulness and our connection um, into their lives, that we intensify, that we bear fruit for God's glory. And uh, I just want to pray now in Jesus' name. Father, we just pray that, that we would um, live lives that would be connected, Father, connected lives. But we know that the forms of connection that we've talked about this morning, Lord God, and we pray that we would embrace them wholeheartedly that we would, Lord, just connect ourselves into being servants, that we would just, just be connected into you, that we would actually live out and, and, and the, the transformed life of God, that we would be empowered into our gifting, but also empower others into their gifting, that we would actually intensify the, your, your passion to, to bear fruit in this world, Lord God, by just making ourselves available, and we would do it all for your glory and for yours only. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.